0: cars I don't believe the price of gold the certainty of growing old that right is right and left is wrong that north and south can't get along that east is east and west is west and being first is always best but I believe in
1: love I believe in it is time now for hear me out with your host. Betsy Esparza.
2: Hear Me Out is brought to you by Front Street Books, your hometown independent bookstore. The Big Bend sector of the U.S. Border Patrol is composed of 77 Texas counties and all of the state of Oklahoma. The operational area is 165,154 square miles. The sector is responsible for patrolling 517 miles of riverfront along the Rio Grande, which is almost one-quarter of this country's southwest border. Apprehensions are skyrocketing along the southwest border. This isn't new information. It's also not uncommon following a presidential election, though this year stands out significantly. Let's go over some numbers. And these are all from the Customs and Border Patrol Protection website, which is cbp.gov. I'll post a link after the show. I do want to note that these stats are posted monthly. So these are totals as of May for this fiscal year. So October through May over the same period in the previous year. The Big Bend sector's apprehensions are up 432.7%. Um single adults is up 460.8%. Family union family units are up 150.5%. And unaccompanied minors is up 317.2%. Matthew Rogo is the Deputy Chief Patrol Agent of Big Bend Sector. He's been here for almost 2 years and before his Big Bend assignment He served as an Associate Chief at U.S. Border Patrol Headquarters in Washington, D.C. Deputy Rogo has been with the Border Patrol since 1999 and started his career at Tucson Sector. In 2009, he was the patrol agent in charge of the Wellesley Island Station at Buffalo Sector on the Canadian border. Welcome, Deputy. Thank you. Um, I have a quick question for you, and I think I know what the answer is going to be. What's the biggest difference between the northern and the southern border?
3: So uh, the southwest border, of course, uh, is, is situated here with our neighbors uh, to the south, Mexico. And, of course, uh, there's uh, a host of Central American countries from which we see uh, multiple uh, individuals trying to uh, make illegal entry, whereas the northern border uh, situated there with Canada uh, is, is supported by a much better economy, uh, an economy where uh, less people are, are seeking illegal entry into the United States.
2: Or the heat. The heat is also a bit
3: different. The heat is a little <laughs> bit different. The winters are a little bit different, too. Uh, snow shovels are needed on the northern right. border.
2: We can't even buy a snow shovel in Alpine. Um, all right. So let's get on with the mission here. Uh, first question kind of in two parts. Um. Has the increased presence of the Border Patrol or any other agency in the valley or anywhere else pushed migrants toward Big Bend?
3: So uh, I think when we look at the southwest border and we characterize what's going on on the southwest border right now, um, we note that all nine southwest border sectors are up. Right. From San Diego down to Rio Grande Valley. And the Border Patrol hasn't experienced a significant staffing push in the recent years. In fact, uh, there's less Border Patrol agents patrolling the border now than there were in, in, let's say, 2012 or 2013. And so, what we're seeing right now is we're seeing every sector experiencing increased activity. And, uh, you know, when you look at the uh, ability to earn uh, money from smuggling ventures, uh, and promise people an opportunity to uh, make it across the United States border successfully, and somewhere into the United States. Um, this situation right now is being driven by greed and profit uh, uh, desires for the smuggling organizations.
2: So, we keep hearing the term "open borders." What is the policy?
3: So there, there are no open borders. Uh, I think people are uh, characterizing uh, the situation based on their own perception. Um, Why is it not an open border? Well, we still have authorities that we employ that allow us to return individuals back to either their home country or in some cases repatriate them back to Mexico, the last country they came from. And so uh, I think when people think open borders, they think uh, they're going to be able to make it through unimpeded or, or uh, not end up in a situation where the Border Patrol takes a law enforcement action when, when that's uh, contrary to what's going on right now. Right now, people are being returned back to Mexico. And so, you know, the message I would share with individuals who, who want to make an illegal entry is we're going to be here. Uh, we're going to be out safeguarding America, keeping Americans safe. And uh, when we encounter you and, and, and arrest you and take you into our custody, we're going to return you uh, to somewhere other than the United States.
2: So the Border Patrol does continue to apprehend and, and um, provide consequences to those that enter this country illegally.
3: That's correct.
2: Right. Have you seen an uptick in in far west Texas, in the number of criminals who are crossing the border illegally.
3: So we have, and we've we've seen an uptick across uh, the the entire Southwest border. Um, our uh, our statistics track uh, no different from most other sectors. In fact, um, you know we're we're experiencing some of the same increases. About sixty percent of the individuals we encounter. Uh, are are considered to be uh, criminals.
2: Should West Texans be afraid of of the criminal element that you're seeing?
3: So I I don't think there's huge alarm at this point. Uh, These these individuals are defined as criminal aliens because of their previous criminal activity. And uh, we don't differentiate significantly between the levels of criminal activity. So, an individual who may have been uh, convicted for manslaughter, uh, you know, somewhere in the United States, versus an, an individual who was uh, convicted of driving while intoxicated, we don't really discriminate in our statistical uh, capture of, uh, of of criminal non-citizens. Um, however, what it does is it, it does put us in a situation where often those those individuals are treated differently. And instead of being uh, processed under our Title 42, our public health authority, which returns them to Mexico, uh, we often process them under Title 8 authorities, uh, our alien and nationality acts, uh, and uh, also set them up for criminal prosecution. So in those cases, they will go and see a magistrate judge who will determine uh, whether, they're not re- whether or not they're remanded into custody, and often uh, those individuals will face criminal consequences for making uh, an illegal entry into the united states
2: so it is if if you look out into your uh front yard or on your pasture and there's somebody there who doesn't belong there that that that's scary for 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 any number of reasons in in any place so how does someone uh prepare or what? What do they do if they notice that there are people on their property who shouldn't be there?
3: So, in in uh, whether you call nine one one or whether you call our border patrol communications center, which is staffed twenty four um, seven, you're going to essentially get the same response. And we urge every resident who thinks they've observed something that's suspicious or something that they believe is illegal. To notify law enforcement. We have great partnerships with the counties that span our, AOL, our, our area of responsibility, whether that's Terrell County, Brewster County, Presidio County, Culberson, Hudspeth, Pecos, um, and oftentimes uh, those individuals will receive the call because someone calls 911 and that's, that's perfectly acceptable and a great way to notify law enforcement of uh, illegal activity. Of course they can always call our communications center at one 581 7549 Our uh, communications specialists are there 24 seven. They're monitoring our radio, getting us extra help when, uh, when necessary. Monitoring our detection capabilities, things we deploy to f- the field like cameras and those uh, underground sensors that you may have heard about. And they also help us coordinate support amongst uh, law enforcement partners. Should a vehicle, you know, fail to yield uh, to our agents, uh, oftentimes our partners will get involved and help us bring that situation to a successful resolution. We never encourage individuals to encounter them. Right. Um, You don't know uh, what those individuals have been through. Sometimes individuals are, are, are giving up, their will is broken, and they no longer wish to uh, traverse this area. When you think about the fact that some people will walk 10 miles, 40 miles, 60 miles, 100 miles to make illegal entry, um, they find themselves in a situation where they've decided they no longer want to keep on walking and they want to turn themselves into authorities. Other individuals could be uh, scouts or guides individuals who are looking out for law enforcement and are actually going to marshal in or bring in a car to pick up individuals and take them further into the United States. And so we never encourage anyone to encounter them. Uh, Allow your trained law enforcement professionals who have your best interests in your mind and are here to protect you uh, to uh, deal with that situation and be a good observer. If you see a vehicle pull up, Tell us what color that vehicle was. Give us a second call. Um, if, if you see them travel a certain direction, pay attention to that direction of travel um, because every one of those clues can be very beneficial to our law enforcement personnel.
2: So take us through the process of what happens when um, undocumented people are apprehended.
3: So... Uh, when we apprehend individuals, uh, of course, you know, the first thing we want to do is establish what is their alienage? Where are they coming from? Um, are there more individuals that we need to look for? Um, and and certainly, uh, you know, take them into our custody, but make sure that when we take them into our custody, uh, we're doing it uh, in a safe manner. You know, searching the individuals. Um making sure they're not carrying weapons and those types of things. We don't often encounter weapons, but, of course, that's always the oper- the, the, there's always that off chance. Um, after we get them from that, that location where we encountered them in the field or roadside, uh, they arrive at a Border Patrol station where uh, information uh, specific to them is taken. That could be their name, uh, their date of birth, other identifying uh, materials, Uh, as well as their fingerprints. Um, We want to make sure that the person who's, uh, the person that they are representing themselves to be are in fact the person that they are. Um, And then we make a determination uh, as to what type of uh, consequence they may face. For some individuals, it's returning them to the country from which uh, they made entry from, Mexico. Um, in other cases, it could be referring them to immigrations, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. They have an office known as the uh, Office of Enforcement and Removal Operations, and that office uh, is, is assists us with repatriating those individuals, returning them to their to their home country. Uh, on the off occasion, individuals uh, are could be uh, dispositioned by. Uh, ERO, the office I mentioned, Enforcement and Removal Operations, uh, to uh, show up for a future court date. In other cases, they're held. That's something that's really outside of the Border Patrol's uh, purview. And and then, of course, with individuals uh, often referred to as uh, unaccompanied non-citizen children, Mm -hmm. those individuals under the age of 18 who are not crossing uh, with an immediate family member. They're referred to the office, uh, to the Department of Health and Human Services, Office of uh, Refugee and Resettlement. By law, that office is responsible for the well-being and care of those individuals. uh, And they work in coordination with the Enforcement and Removal Operations Office uh, to see that those individuals are not only uh, successfully placed with potentially a family member or sponsor, but also, uh, you know, have their opportunity uh, in front of an immigration judge down the road.
2: This is a rough country. It is hot. Um, are you guys seeing more search and rescues?
3: We certainly are. Um, in fact, uh, about this time last year, we had about 60 different incidents, uh, uh where we rescued subjects who were in some sort of distress. Uh, this year, we've already had uh, 250 people rescued, and uh, each day those numbers continue to climb as the uh, the the weather gets hotter. Um, uh, the men and women of Big Bend Sector are incredible. Um, some of the things they do to go out there and save these individuals, I can't I can't understate. Uh, their, their efforts and how long they will spend looking for individuals who are reported to be in distress and need help. And I also can't, you know, overlook the impact of the Sheriff's Office, the Department of Public Safety, and our Office of Air and Marine Operations. Each of those offices help us uh, when we have to answer that call uh, and go out there and make sure that, you know, these individuals uh, are found and they can get the appropriate care that they need uh, so that we can preserve human life. There is no doubt that that our area is remote. And as we are successful uh, in certain areas, the criminal element looks to exploit areas where they believe there's a higher probability of success. Um, If they cannot get their load uh, or their uh, individuals that they're guiding across, um they'll go look for other areas and sure. oftentimes a little bit more remote uh, than the first attempt and so um our agents are absolutely critical in, in in performing these rescues and it's unfortunate that foot guides leave these individuals behind uh, but it happens and so I'm very thankful for the men and women of big Ben sector who do such a great job
2: let's go let's go to a break martin
3: Don't know much about the Big Bend National Park or the Big Bend in general? Front Street Books is the all-info source for the whole area. From birds to wildlife, geology and hiking, maps and guides to make your visit the most enjoyable, Front Street has it all. Alpine and the Big Bend have so much to offer everyone. Front Street Books endeavors to be a supporter of all things important in our area. Informative programs and interviews are so valuable for our community. It is a pleasure to support them. Front Street Books thanks all those that participate in these community efforts.
2: Deputy, does the Big Ben sector have uh, rescue beacons?
3: We do. We uh, we have one rescue beacon, which was recently deployed. And uh, because of that rescue beacon, we've had three successful rescues in just the past uh, three days.
2: Can you t- tell us more about what a rescue beacon is and how that works?
3: Certainly. So a rescue beacon is a, a device uh, which the Border Patrol agents of Big Bend Sector constructed. Um, our rescue beacons are unique to our AOR. Of course, uh, each, each area experiences different uh, environmental factors, and so each of the sectors build theirs differently uh, to, to stand up uh, to their environment and also to integrate with their communication systems. Ours uh, is a secure box. It's set atop a platform Uh, Attached to the box in the platform is a large antenna with a blue strobe, as well as a a button that allows uh, the individual to alert uh, Border Patrol agents to their presence. Of course, those are monitored by our communications office uh, that's operating 24-7 there at our sector headquarters. uh, And they alert the Border Patrol agents uh, to the activity at these rescue beacons. Our landowners, uh, the people who we work with to secure agreements to place uh, these rescue beacons are absolutely critical. And uh, we certainly appreciate the support of each of the ranchers and and, uh, our landowners as we uh, try to place these out in areas where we can uh, essentially uh, save or rescue people. Prior to uh, finding this themselves in a situation where they're distressed because of the elements, um, just recently uh, we put a uh, we placed a post out to our uh, social media uh, accounts, so you can find us at USBP Chief BBT, and that's on Twitter as well as Instagram, and then uh, USBP Chief BBT on Facebook where your viewers can get a look at one of those rescue beacons that was recently deployed. Also, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, we'll be down in Presidio in the coming weeks, uh, working with the government of Mexico and uh, media to uh, introduce the rescue beacons to our area uh, and to showcase that, uh, that, that great program and allow individuals to understand how they work, uh, see them in, in person uh, and try to uh, send a message to uh, with to would-be crossers uh, with our partners uh, there in Mexico that crossing this area is is dangerous and you do not want to risk your life.
2: But if you do, you find this blue strobe light if you get into some trouble. That's correct. And you get some help. Is that <laughs> that's, that's that's correct what it's for right?
3: It is. And, uh, you know, every time that button gets pressed, our Border Patrol agents are out there responding uh, and, you know, rescuing people who could have become uh, a person encountered deceased in the desert had they not uh, had that rescue beacon in place and, right. and alerted Border Patrol agents to the help that they needed.
2: No one wants that. Uh,
1: Martin?
3: Uh, uh, Matt, I have a question.
1: Um how often do you see repeat offenders from uh, people you've apprehended, sent them back to Mexico, and then a few weeks later see them again?
3: So, uh, in in the Border Patrol, we we track those stats uh, under recidivism uh, statistical reporting, and so uh, recidivist individuals who, exactly as you described, cross once and then att- uh, attempt a second entry. Uh, upon that second entry, they become classified as a recidivist. We have seen uh, those numbers increasing uh, in previous years. We've seen them as low as 6 to 10%. Uh, in some sectors, they're as high as 30% now. Mm-hmm. And so um, there is no doubt that individuals are continuing to uh, try to cross uh, over and over again until they're successful. Uh and that's certainly something that our agents are keenly aware of. Yeah,
1: and uh, a lot of these uh, people that have come across, it seems that um, from stories I've heard, uh, they would pay a coyote thousands of dollars, and they basically just bring them to the border and, and tell them, okay, you're here at the United States, and you're on your own, and they're really left in a horrible situation because never been to this country, not knowing anything about it. They don't know how far... What's closer, Dallas or Van Horn? You know, and uh, uh, it's a horrible situation. Um, I'm assuming the Border Patrol, uh, beside apprehension, tries to go after the coyotes, the people that are, are, or is that a different branch of the government that would law
3: enforcement that would go after the the coyotes? So we work in concert with uh, Homeland Security Investigations, their division of Immigration and Customs Enforcement as well as the United States Attorney's Office, to bring uh, individuals who are driving, guiding, or uh, scouting our law enforcement activities uh, for uh, individuals who have illegally entered the United States. And uh, through our partnerships, uh, we are able to oftentimes bring these events in front of the criminal court system, and find uh, ourselves in situations where these individuals are successfully prosecuted. And uh, that certainly helps our efforts because by uh, taking those individuals out of the organization and making the organization replace those smugglers with new individuals, we often see they're more prone to making mistakes. And so that's always uh, an effort and initiative that our agents are, are, are trying to uncover. And uh, be successful with our partners in bringing those cases to court.
2: Okay. Deputy, thank you so much for coming.
3: It was absolutely my pleasure. Um, it, if you don't mind, I just wanted to, you know, say th- these are great opportunities. Uh, anytime we can get out and inform the citizens of our region uh, about the the activities in West Texas and uh, provide them a firsthand account of of what's occurring um it's it's very beneficial for us and i i will say that you know there's a lot of men and women out there right now patrolling our border uh, if you get an opportunity to speak to one of those border patrol agents uh, don't forget to thank them they're doing an outstanding job uh considering the situation we're facing we appreciate you
1: we appreciate all <laughs> the hard work you're doing Know the job is definitely harder now than it probably ever has been and so uh, yes we do thank you for that Okay. Thank you, Betsy. We will see. We look forward to seeing you next week.
2: Yep. See you next week. Pray for rain. All right.
0: I don't believe in superstars organic food and foreign cars i don't believe the price of gold the certainty of growing old that right is right and left is wrong that north and south can't get along that east is east and west is west and being first is always best but i believe I believe in babies. I believe in mom.